So in our January services, we're going to try to correlate what we're learning from First and Second Peter in our Sunday sermons. And so I thought, okay, what, what, is, what do I want to talk about first? As I think of the first two weeks that we've been reading First and Second Peter. And a phrase really stuck out, and it's kind of how spirit works. I really appreciate both Fred and Steve. They, they already brought up some, but you could add. You know, when you think of some hard commands of Jesus, I mean, absolutely, do not worry. That, that's a pretty strong command. Or as Steve talked about, giving. You know, that you're, that you're going to treasures in heaven, it's not on earth. What are some other commands when you think like, wow, th- this is a tough command from Jesus. That's where you can respond. What's some other tough commands? Yeah. Do not hate. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Don't murder. Don't murder. Oh, well, hopefully that's not too hard for you. <laughs> Maybe I need to start wearing Kevlar. Okay. Uh, forgive your brother, or God won't forgive you. There's no. T- that is a command. It's not just a suggestion. Uh huh. Rejoice always. Oh, there you go. I mean, just if it said rejoice, but then it goes always. Uh huh. Oh, I know. That one kills me. It's like, if it just said, be humble, I'm challenged. No, let's add a little more. Be completely humble. Yes. Oh, that's a command, guys. Any unwholesome talk come out in 2017? Uh-huh. Very good. That There's a tough command. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, guys, when you start the thing, let's go for one more. Uh, let your light shine before others. Yeah. These are all commands, guys, which means if you don't do it, did you disobey? Did you sin? Yes. But you know, the reality is of all those commands, and they're all amazing, I think the command that stuck out in this first two weeks of reading, it's the first chapter of Peter, where Peter quotes Leviticus is the most demanding command of all. Be holy. That's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not just a spiritual thought or principle. It's a command that we're either to obey or disobey. When I really started thinking about it, I was like, that, that's challenging. Be holy. And then in, in case you're wondering, well, what level of holy? Because I, God... Am holy. What? The passage we find this in is in 1 Peter 1, verse 13 through 16. It says, therefore, and obviously, whenever you hear that, really good to read what's before, right? I'll let you do that, so the sermon is shorter. But therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. Question, do you have grace? Yes. What? Yes. Do you have full grace? Yes. No. You don't. Did you just hear what it said? It says that you've got to set your hope on the grace to be brought. It hasn't come yet. What? See, there's a grace that we're given through Christ, and we need it desperately. We can't do anything about it ourselves. But then there's this full grace that is only realized that Jesus is coming. It's kind of the same concept of this idea of being holy. We cannot of our own will, power, deeds, actions, words, statements, feelings, thoughts, beliefs, make ourselves holy. Only God can make us holy. But here's the problem. 
Are you fully holy? No, because you still live in an unholy world. We're waiting for another world. And that's really the definition of, of holy means otherworldly. God is holy because He's otherworldly. He's so far beyond and, and more powerful and more righteous and more just and more loving and more you could add every adjective you want. That that's holy. We don't have that yet. We're waiting for that holiness. We're waiting for that grace. That's powerful. As, and it says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. We don't like to admit that we lived in ignorance, but we have. And if teens you think you haven't, trust me, you will one day. The longer I've lived, the more I realize I don't know. When I was a teen, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> Guess what? You're going to be surprised. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, be holy. But Peter's not done. Be holy in all you do. Okay. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. See, it's easy, guys, when we're here singing the worship songs. That's easy to be holy in that moment. It's easier to be holy when we're taking that bread and that cup and we're remembering what Jesus did for us. That's easy. But it says be holy in all that you do. Teens, if your parents ask you to do something, what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, and how they want you to do it, are you holy? Taking out the trash. You can be a holy or unholy in doing that. Think about that. Oh, I gotta take out the trash. It's cold out there. Or you could be holy. Thanks. This trash, this is like me. This is what I am. But because of Jesus, I get to get rid of it. I don't have to keep it. I don't have to have that stench around anymore. I get to take it out in that cold. I get to open up that lid. I get to put it in. It is holy. It's up to you. Spouse. When your spouse says something you're not prepared to hear, at the time you're not prepared to hear it, are you holy in all that you do in the way you respond? Is it starting to sink in now? I think this is the hardest command of all. Be holy in everything you do. Wow. That's frightening. See, the Greek word holy is hagios, which means separate from common condition and use. It's otherworldly. It means dedicated to the service of God, no longer to the service of yourself. That's what it means to be made holy. Pure, righteous, hollowed, ceremonially or ritually or morally. See, Peter's quoting this phrase in Leviticus, actually several, it says, we have got to be holy in everything we do, just as God is holy. I don't know about you guys, that, that's a challenging command. And here's the greatest part about the command for me. I am held in greater judgment as a leader. And those who are leaders, sorry, that's what comes with the territory. But this is one area I cannot be judged for. Your holiness. It's not my responsibility. 
It's yours. The command is to you. It's not to your neighbor. It's not to your brother. It's not to your sister. It's not to the church. It's not to your leader. not to your Bible talk leader. It's to you. Be holy. You cannot use anyone as an excuse for not doing it. And you have no justification. How are we doing with that? Really, another way to talk about it is like the Scripture says, train yourself to be godly. Be holy. But the way she... Be holy. But the way he... Be holy. It's on you. That's frightening. How important is holiness? Well, it's mentioned over 500 times in the, New Te- in the Old and New Testament. That's a lot. Most often connected with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The actual quote from Leviticus, if you really examine everything about how that's going to happen, how you're going to be holy, it always demands a sacrifice of blood because you can't get your own holiness. But how important is holiness? Look at this passage in Hebrews twelve fourteen. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Oh, and to be holy. That, that seems a little weird, that phrasing. Shouldn't it be, be holy and make every effort to live in peace? But no, it chooses, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Oh, and be holy. Maybe because the reality is, you can't be holy on your own. If you don't have great relations with each other, you're going to fail at being holy. We need help. We're going to see that more clearly as we go further. So, how important is holiness? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Think about that for a minute. This is a huge problem because uh, uh, predominant Christian claimers don't see the Lord. A lot of these people that have come out or called out sex scandals, many of them claim to be Christians. But would you say they're holy? No. So whether they claim to be a Christian or not, they cannot see the Lord. And nor can we. If we allow unholiness consistently in our life. That's challenging, guys. And I'll be honest, we have those times in our lives where you just don't feel like you see God. The problem's not God. It's probably unholiness in your life. Because only with holiness can you see the Lord. Guys, that's frightening. So I think we've got to really define what does this holiness mean. And thankful, I, I don't need to spend an entire sermon to do that. I really appreciate the guys from the Bible Project actually have a video defining holiness. Let's listen to it. You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least saying it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet.
planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more tense it gets. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So that oh, very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness. Because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. And Moses covers his face in fear, and God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. It's actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the Most Holy Place. It's the hot spot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. <laughs> so it flies over with a hot coal. And then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable. Because normally, if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea, where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah, and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development, this time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making Mm. things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? We don't know until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions, but in surprising new ways. 
So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a, a woman with chronic bleeding or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus's purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple. So that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now. But where is this all headed? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. And this time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision, we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there, flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life. That's a good summary. I think it's very clear, we cannot, out of our own effort, get the initial being made holy. Only God can do that. And if you don't know if you've been made holy, then you do not leave today without asking someone next to you, how do you get made holy? I've already given you a hint, it's going to demand blood. It's going to demand a sacrificial lamb. It's going to demand Jesus in knowing what He taught how to be holy, not what man teaches how to be holy. Do not leave without asking for that help. But here's the crazy thing. Once you've been made holy... It's not complete because we still live in an unholy world. We still get tainted, stained. We make mistakes. Others stain us. We stain ourselves. But thanks to Jesus, we can be cleansed again. If we're willing to be open, if we're willing to confess, if we're willing to repent, then we can continue to be made holy. So now that we are made holy, for those who have learned that, now He commands you, as Peter says, Be holy. But you're like, but how? 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 Okay, I understand initial holiness. I can't do a thing. But now they've been made holy. How can I be holy? Let's go back to the passage. But I'll read a different translation just to, to kind of help our thinking maybe. New Living Translation, 1 Peter 1, verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. It's not other control or church control or small group control itself control so who's that on on you okay so it's put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will come to you when jesus christ is revealed to the world so you must live as god's obedient children don't slip back don't backslide into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires you didn't know any better then which is assuming you do know better now. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Being holy doesn't happen by itself. It will not happen as an accident. The Bible actually gives us some very, Peter gives us some very clear things you can do to be holy. What's the first one? Prepare your minds 
for action. Notice it doesn't say prepare your hands, your feet, your head, or your heart. It says prepare your minds. In other words, you've got to think ahead. You've got to prepare to be holy. For whatever scenario in an unholy world could mess you up. I think one of the main areas that we can fall is our relationships with the opposite sex. So I'm obviously talking to those who are not married, but even in marriages, we can also fail in this area. Are you prepared before you even enter that relationship? Because we have this idea, something, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I, no matter who the relationship is, even if they're not part of our church, I'm going to help them be holy. Really? I warn you. Because there was that question proposed, if you turn to Haggai, the priests were asked a question. Two, actually. The first one said, if you touch something consecrated, sanctified, holy, made holy, does it make you holy? No, is the answer. Okay. What if you touch something that's contaminated, not holy, impure? Does it make you unholy? The answer is yes. The reality is, guys, is the world can have more influence on us than we will have on it. God makes things holy, not us. Do not be arrogant enough to think you can help someone else be holy. You've got to come in prepared. And I know this is true from my own life. There were many sins I regret in my past before Christ, but definitely one of the major ones was impurity with women. I had a dream as a little kid that I was going to be pure, I was going to be a virgin, I'm going to be devoted to one woman. That's how I grew up. And I actually succeeded in that through high school. I had never dated. I was still a virgin going into college. Of course, I got joked about on that, especially in sports. But I was proud of it. But then I got my first girlfriend. And as much as I wanted to make that holy, it became unholy. Almost immoral, and it's only God that it didn't. And it happened in both my relationships. No matter how hard I tried, I could not make it holy. But when God made me holy, it changed everything. Now I had the knowledge that I could be holy with His power and with preparing my mind for action. So I knew right away, okay, here was me and what I thought how to do relationships before Christ. I don't know how to do relationships in Christ. So my opinion, my ideas, out the door right now. My type, my thoughts, my guidelines, throw them out because I have no success and no right to to hold to them. Let me look at couples, not just the who are dating, but the ones who are doing it right. Who's successful? Completely, wholly. What did they do? And so I prepared my mind. And so when God did give me the opportunity to build a relationship with Leanne, I think the first thing is it was an elder's daughter, so that put a major fear in my life. Okay? But he also changed how I looked at women because now I didn't look at women as an object of lust but as a precious daughter of God. And if I'm going to one day ask her father for her hand but he knows what's in my heart, then how do I want to be with her? And so I had to prepare my mind. I go, okay, when I look back at how I did relationships and as I listened to others who were successful, it was the real simple thing. I always sinned when I was alone with them. In a locked car that stopped, a closed door in a room, even if there were other people in the house. 
So if I prepare my mind to never, ever be alone, then I could be holy. And I was. All the way to the altar. Is that because I was strong? No way! If I was strong, I could be alone with her. But I prepared my mind. How about you? Are you prepared? What other areas of your righteousness have you prepared your mind to be holy? Your workplace. That can be a very tempting situation. Greed. Students, what about grades? Cheating, stealing. Have you prepared your mind to be holy? This is important, guys. If you want to be holy, and you've got to be holy to see God, then we've got to prepare our minds. The second part says exercise self-control. Exercise, which means you've got to practice. And whose responsibility is it? You. Self. And with God, you can do it. But it is a lot easier to practice self-control not by yourself. <laughs> Just saying. Anyone uh, try to have a diet by yourself? A lot tougher than if you let other people know and they're doing it with you. Because when you're by yourself, you go, yeah, I'm not going to eat any sweets. And then that cookie's laying right there in front of you. <laughs> but if there's someone with you, like, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. <laughs> right? We need to exercise self-control. Hope in your future salvation. Guys, that's actually a directive of how to be holy. This is really where it ties in this whole idea of being a foreigner and alien, an alien and stranger. See, if we're a foreigner, then this isn't our home. We're waiting for a better home. So we're going to look toward that. We're going to hope for that. But if we put our hope in what we think the world's going to offer us, we're no longer a foreigner. We've given up whatever citizenship with God and we're taking the citizenship of the country we're in. That's not what we're called to be if you're going to be holy. Because being holy means otherworldly. Set apart. Right? So we've got to hope so much more for that home. We've got to read about it. We've got to pray about it. We've got to talk about it. Heaven is waiting for us. And there we're not going to have to worry about being holy. You just will be. How cool is that? It says, be obedient children of God. In other words, guys, you don't have all the answers. You are still a child before God. So obey Him. He knows better. Papa knows best. Okay? Are we obedient to Him in all the commands that we heard? What about in being holy? It says, don't backslide. Anyone ever do that? Am I the only one? There's only two of us that backslid. Oh, okay. No, I think a lot more of us have done it. Do you know why you backslide? Because you get your desires off what God wants for you and put it on what you want for you. That's how backsliding occurs. But if you just remember when you used to give full into those desires, did it make you holy? It didn't. We've got to keep our desires with what God wants. We want to please Him. Being holy is about being different. Peter goes on to explain it in the very next verse. Verse 17 of 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll read the New Living. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents. 
or as NIV says, as foreigners, or as the CSB says, as strangers. That's a, a whole new idea of what it means to be holy. Anyone here felt like a foreigner in another country before? Right? It's awkward. Uh, particularly for some of us, especially, we go to a certain country, we stand out like a sore thumb. Maybe our color, maybe our, our height, maybe our accent or not accent. Right? It sticks out. That's what a foreigner feels like. I know what that feels like. I went to the Soviet Union. I didn't speak the language. It was scary. But I was there for a purpose. See, before Christ, I was a foreigner and alien to God. But after Christ, I became a foreigner and alien to the world. And my goal is to help others to do the same. And so I went to Russia. Now, that doesn't mean I, I don't live in Russia. I had to learn the language. But if I tore up my American passport, I stopped building the church and just said, I'm coming to Russia. Would I have achieved the purpose that God sent me? What are we doing spiritually? Are we no longer a foreigner and alien in this world and we've given up our citizenship in heaven because we rather fit into this world? If you feel awkward being a Christian in this world, good job. If you don't, I'm concerned for you. Because we're supposed to be foreigners and aliens. That's what it means to be holy, to be otherworldly. Ephesians 2.19 though, even though we become a foreigner and alien to the world, Jesus does something really special for us. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. When Jesus makes us holy, and we strive at being holy, we are foreigners and aliens to the world. But we are no longer foreigners and aliens to God, and definitely not foreigners and aliens to each other. We are now fellow citizens. Because I think God understood, okay, I did give you a really tough one, be holy as I am holy. You're probably not going to do that very well on your own. I'm going to give you something that can help you to be holy. I'm going to give you the church. But I'm going to give you the right church. A church so that you know which that church is. It's one that has no human creed, no man-made tradition. It is something built on two very specific things. Jesus and Jesus' Word. I love that when people ask me, especially as ministers. So, so what's your church? What's your This is. No, no, no. I mean, like, do you have some kind of... Pan no, this. This is what my church is based off of. Is that still true for us today? Are you reading this? If you want to be that citizen, this is, this is your playbook. This is how you're going to know how to live in an unholy world while trying to maintain holiness. You can't do it without this. And we can't do it without each other. God has given us each other so that we can be holy. And if we will trust one another, we can do this. 
This command, God does not command you to do something He doesn't think you could actually do. But you're going to need to rely on Him, His Word, and His body. Let's close with Colossians 1, verse 21. Once you were alienated from God, you were a foreigner to Him, and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy. Who, who makes you holy? God. He does. And then once He's done that, you need to help in that process too. You've got to be holy as He is holy. Without blemish and free from accusation. Now, question. Could we bring up some accusations about one another? But He just said we're free from that. Yeah, in God's eyes, because of Jesus, we are. But we're not God. So we can bring up accusations on one another and ourselves, can't we? But he says, be holy as I am holy. Guys, we have got to have thicker skin with each other. We have got to, lo- to have love that overlooks a multitude of sins. It doesn't mean tolerate sin. It doesn't mean ignore sin. No, quite the opposite. We've got to deal with it. But we should not judge each other because of our sin, because we're all sinners. But we can be holy. You know, this is a great movie called The Last Nights. I don't know if you like uh, those kind of movies, but it's about this captain and the way he serves his master. I won't say anything more because there's some cool twists in the movie. But there's this one part where a young soldier has joined his team, and he's, and he's looking at the captain, and he's talking to his sergeant-in-arms and going, I, I heard that he, he was really brutal, harsh, Scary. And the sergeant arms asks him, Does knowing that make you respect him less as a captain? And the young man says, No, I think someone who reinvents themselves should be respected, not criticized. Guys, we get to reinvent ourselves because of Christ. We shouldn't criticize each other for our mistakes. Because we can reinvent ourselves. That should be respected, not criticized. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Being holy is a process. It's not a one-time act. Only what Jesus did makes us holy with a one-time act. But we still live in an unholy world. It says, if you continue in your faith, guess what? No matter where you're at right now, no matter how bad, how high, how low, if you'll step out of this hall today... Continuing your faith, then you lived up to this. Isn't that awesome? So no matter where you are, you just got to go forward. Don't go backwards and don't just maintain. Continue in your faith. That's all he's asking. Establish and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Now, I don't know if we can claim that today. But Paul claimed it. Is there some creatures in your class that haven't heard? Are there some creatures in your neighborhood that haven't heard? Are there some creatures at your workplace that haven't heard? Are there some creatures in your family that haven't heard? Who are you waiting on to tell them? Do you think just maybe it's meant to be you? Because we've been made holy. And to be holy as God is holy means we do the same thing. We bring the gospel of Jesus to others. 
so that they too can have a chance to reinvent themselves, to be holy as God is holy. Let us close with a prayer and with this thought for 2018. God has made us holy, but now we must be holy in everything we do. Lord God, we come before You so thankful because I believe deep in our hearts You created the desire to be holy, to be otherworldly, to be eternal. But because of our sins, both of commission and omission, we can't be holy. No matter how hard we try to make things right, to make it clean and righteous and pure, instead it seems to taint us and contaminate us and contaminate those around us. Thank You for sending Jesus because He allowed our sin to kill Him, but because of Him being completely obedient, completely holy and otherworldly, even in an unholy world, He was risen again. And He cleans us. He makes us holy. Help us to believe that with Him, with His Word, with the Spirit, and yes, with His body, the church, we can be holy. Help us to go to those creatures who have yet to hear so that they too will have the opportunity to reinvent themselves. God, help us to be holy as You are holy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.